The most successful restaurants run on Toast. One platform to power your restaurant. Take control with tools to manage changing industry trends and guest expectations. Toast is simply built to make your life easier and your restaurant better. Considering switching your POS? Let us put $500 in your pocket. That's right, $500 when you switch to Toast using our link in the show notes. Toast works in bars and nightclubs as well as food trucks and coffee shops. Toast has no boundaries, which is why we suggest moving over to the better POS today. Click below in the show notes to let us help you make the switch to Toast today. Ever realize how much large groups can impact your nightly sales? Ever realize how quickly they can get bored of each other? Atmosphere TV keeps your patrons engaged. With an insane amount of channels focused on a large range of content from fail videos to trivia, Atmosphere TV is literally free. Seriously, as long as you keep it on for a set amount of hours per week, you won't be charged a dime. You can actually help the Waiting on Fries show out though by inquiring directly through us on how to activate Atmosphere TV today. Simply shoot us an email at info at Keep your guest retained with Atmosphere TV. Hey, uh, so Salpe got sued. Salpe got sued for putting too much salt in someone's steak? <laughs> yeah. No, not for the sodium levels. Uh, <laughs> can you imagine a lawsuit for that? Yeah. <laughs> I can. You can I see actually it. can. I, yeah, you know what? That wouldn't surprise me. I yeah. went to a restaurant. He put so much salt, I have high blood pressure. <laughs> anyway. So, Salt, salt Bay, who's, who's the guy that we're talking about here? Because I'm sure somebody doesn't know. All right. So, I'm sure, I don't know if nobody knows. Somebody, uh, yeah, you're right. Somebody doesn't know. But anyway, Salt Bay or Nusrat Steakhouse, specifically their location in Miami, uh, recently was sued by their employees that argued that a server charge, a service charge should not have covered their wages so that shouldn't have been included in their hourly wage correct so basically what the restaurant was doing was applying an 18 percent service charge that was applied to the bill that was given to the guest and then they were taking that service charge and using it to cover the hourly wages of the employees of the restaurant so the the waiters or the servers were basically arguing that that service charge was their gratuity or their tips and should have been directly distributed back to them and not covered their base wages from the restaurant. So uh, apparently you go out to New Surrette and there's like there's like 20 of them, I think, around the world. There's yeah, a lot. It's, the it's not a few. There's a lot of them. And uh, what we're saying here is you go out, you get your dinner. You experience a lavish, luxurious meal where the guy comes to your table and performs all sorts of table-side service, cutting steaks, seasoning meat. And you, throws, pay, you pay a large bill for all of this. And it's a large end. bill, sure. It, you know, if you're used to going out and having maybe like a $150 check, $200 check, you go to Salt Bay, your check's like 600 bucks. No, nah, it's far more than that. Well, it depends on how many people you have and how, well, how minimum, a noom eats. Minimum you know? checks are in the thousands. It's easily Googleable. Oh, you, you might have seen a meme pop up the other day, though. Nonetheless, what's at the bottom of this check, though, is a, like a mandatory service charge that's included into it as part of the bill. Right. It's on the bottom. When you look at it, it says service charge of 18% supplied to your check. Okay. So then the lawsuit that came in was saying, like, this is supposed to just cover their wages and they're not really making full tips. It just gets you up to some... Right. So what, what essentially happened is the servers were arguing that this service charge was negatively impacting the actual tip that the guest would leave, if any. And the restaurant was using that service charge to use to pay their to pay their base hourly wage as well as the rest of the employees. So we're going to a pool and they just paid their hourly wages. It wasn't added on on top of their hourly wages. 
So they were arguing that that was incorrect and that they were in some way being shorted. withholding their tips. Now, there's more to it as well, though, because in uh, some of this article that came out, in uh, talking about and covering to the language that's used to describe what a service charge is versus a tip, it's very unclear, it seems like, and it's able to kind of be taken advantage of in certain ways. So the language actually is, for your convenience, an 18% service charge will be added to your final bill and will be distributed to the entire team. It's waiting on fries that you don't get it. You don't. What do you mean you don't get waiting on fries? Hopefully the customer never hears waiting on fries. But all this time on the entree and it's perfectly executed and then you're it's like, ready to go. I forgot to fire the fries. I just always use that when I forgot to put somebody's order in. And I was like, hey, I'm just waiting on the fries. It's going to be two more minutes. Realistically, I come back 10 minutes with the food. Exactly. <laughs> So breaking down the whole article, the, uh, the court actually ruled in favor of the restaurant, which surprised me because I find usually courts are in favor of the employees, right? But in this case, the steakhouse won the, won the, won the case and was not liable for what the employees thought were their, were their rightful tips. And I also learned finally what happened to my service charge fees when I used to work at the country club because I always wondered that same thing. When I had my country club job, there was a service charge fee on the bottom of it, and it was never in, I never saw it on my paycheck. So but, what happened to your service charge? Fees? Yeah, but I, I was I was paid a higher hourly rate, so I I was like whatever. That was the deal coming in. They like told me I wasn't going to get tips or whatever, but I thought maybe it would be on my paycheck, but it never was. But after reading this article, I understand what what they were doing. Essentially, the same thing. The language is the language is important, and then how it's portrayed is important. And also the definition of a tip is important, which apparently is voluntary. Well, yeah. So when you are adding, when a restaurant adds something onto the bill and it's telling the guests that they're required to pay this, it is no longer a voluntary action by the guest and is no longer considered a tip, at least in this case by, by, the, by the courts. That so, all kind of makes sense. So the Department of Labor, Labor geez, the Department of Labor, they, the critical feature defining a tip is quote unquote whether a tip is to be given and its amount are matters determined solely by the customer not given as a service charge and here it is you just pay this so there's been a lot of chatter and a lot of talk amongst i mean we've talked about it we've spoken about it a bunch of times here and there and you know also just in the industry about how do we bridge that gap between the back of house and the front house and all the web long spider webs where rules there are about tip sharing and who's allowed to get a tip and who's allowed to distribute a tip, who can you take a tip and who can you give it to, et cetera, et cetera. And you know, when we see when we see cases like this, it's just an example of another restaurant that is basically in some shape or form trying to bridge bridge that gap. Right. Or just caught in the middle of that ongoing struggle. Exactly. So I looked. I you know I would I dove further into this because by state by state there's obviously different rules about tips and who can get it and et cetera yeah, and it gets it really confusing. Varies based on minimum wages and yeah, the tip credits based and all on that. minimum wage and stuff. And I found another article that basically explained that there's some new legislation now 
that uh, tip pools can uh, can include employees who don't regularly receive tips in some cases. So the way they're defining this now is, are you guys familiar with the tip credit and how that works with service staff? No, go for okay, it. Okay, so for instance, in New York State, the minimum wage of the oh, New York State minimum wage is fifteen dollars. Correct. But if you have a tipped employee, the employer is is allowed a tip credit of five dollars. Okay, which means that if I have an if you're an employer and you have an employee that is generally expected to get tips, you're allowed to take a tip credit off of the minimum wage and pay less than the minimum wage to that to that employee. As long as their combined hourly wage plus their tips equals over the minimum wage. Yeah. So, for example, in New York State, you would be allowed to pay somebody ten dollars an hour as long as they're making up tips to bring them up to fifteen dollars an hour. Exactly. Okay. Right. So, what this new law is saying that if you do not have any employees under the minimum wage and you are forfeiting or waiving your ability to receive a tip credit and not pay the the uh, server minimum wage. But pay the I'm sorry, the tip credit to not pay a minimum wage, but pay the server minimum wage. You can waive that, pay everybody over the minimum wage, and then those tips are now allowed to be shared amongst the whole restaurant. Because the basis of that law apparently comes from the fact that a back house employee is paid a higherly minimum wage over over the minimum wage threshold, and a server is not. Therefore, you can't take their gratuity from them and distribute it to that to the to, to the, the rest of the staff. Which is why a lot of times you see in restaurants that maybe a server voluntarily might take some of their tips and tip out a, like an expo guy or, or, a, or a kitchen guy. They're allowed to do that on their own discretion, but the restaurant and the, and the uh, kitchen is allowed to accept that, right? So if a server walks in the kitchen and says, Nooms, thanks for hooking me up. Here's part of my tips. That's allowed. Right. But the restaurant's not allowed to require it. Say so you have to take some of your tips. But you are allowed to do that and distribute it amongst other tipped employees, right? So that's where tip share comes in. So the restaurant's allowed to mandate that other tipped employees pool their tips, excluding the back house. Yeah, you can have a whole bunch of this. So there's, there's a whole slew of tip pooling and all this stuff, right? You can have a pooled house, which is where all, everybody's tips is collected into one pool. And then you, you know, every restaurant will have a different system based on... Um, it's very specific that it has to be based on position, though. You can't just say, you know... Employee A gets 10%, employee B gets whatever. It has to say bartender, and they have to have a clearly defined position. Uh, I called the New York State Restaurant Association to really like clarify that. It has to be clearly defined position and clearly defined responsibility. So you can't just like make up a, decision, a position and say, now you're going to get X amount in the tip pool. So you have to have it clearly defined. This person is responsible for X, Y, Z. It's different than this position that's responsible for A, B, C, like that. And then, so you're allowed to take all those tips and then distribute it on a scale, however you want it. You can do it evenly. You can do it by position, whatever, hourly work, points basis that way. You can have a system where every, all the employees, you know, make their own gratuity and then tip out a percentage of their sales into a pool that's then redistributed amongst other tipped employees. So for instance, if you have a, if you have a host, you have a busboy, you have a bar back, you have bartenders, etc. You can, the servers, you can have, say the servers have to tip out 4% of their sales into this pool. And then we're going to weight it and say like the bartender gets four points, the service bar gets three points, the busboy gets two points, the host gets one point, however you want to do it. And then split it that way. But in none of those scenarios, can you include a bag house employee? Unless the entire staff is being paid over that base minimum wage. Correct. 
Yeah, but the, the the other thing here too is like think about every Irish bar that you know exists. When you're tipping people out, it, yes, it's a voluntary. Here's money, but it's also not just voluntary. Your barback's getting twenty percent. Your barback of you know whatever you're pulling in. Nobody's necessarily telling you to do that, but that's just the common practice where you are going to do that. Right, which is fine and legal. Okay. Right, but as restaurants are growing and bigger operations are, I mean, it obviously differs. You just use the Irish pub; it's usually one of one, right? And it just is how it is, and no one really has an issue with it. And you have because it's just the way it works. It's just the way it works, and you now, have a history. A new guy comes in, be like, "Hey, John, I." I and he says, I, I usually throw this guy 20 bucks. Do yeah. whatever you want to do, it's, and it's, it's fine. Or this and, 20% of your total take is going to the, the bar back who's been busting his ass all night for you. Right. And now if you're the new guy, though, that comes in, you're like, oh, no, man, that's not how the law works, and I don't have to do that shit, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> Guess who's not going to have a fucking job? Right. Well, right? Like, this you, is true. You and get then, kicked through. Then you get a whole other slew of... Uh, yeah, issues problems. that occur yeah, a whole bunch of issues but all i'm saying is that there's a you know there's a lot of different ways that places exist out here in the world in in the hospitality world that is and how the money kind of gets split up and divvied or not divvied for that matter depending on where you're in and you know we've talked about it before too where you know you guys were bringing up uh whose restaurant was it up here in westchester that was trying to include all of the tips or it was no tipping whatsoever, and everyone was just on salary. And it didn't work. Was that Danny Myers? Yeah, but not oh, in Westchester. I mean, Danny Myers famously known for that, being the, the no first policy, like, yeah. hospitality-included restaurant. Wasn't there a place that just attempted to do it, though, up in Westchester area that failed and wound up stopping that and pulling back away from it? Yeah, that... Well, that whose spot was this? That, I'm not sure. Not sure who okay. talking about. I know for a fact that before COVID... And Nooms was obviously employed in that. Yeah. <laughs> so, right? You want yeah, yeah. so to? Yeah. So before COVID, most of Denny Myers restaurants were hospitality included. So everybody was on a revenue sharing program. So all the revenue that was taken in by the restaurants would be divided up. And like Manhattan, for example, I think it was like the first ten percent was divvied up between the employees, and then that would be broken down even further based on position, based on rank in that position. And so it was something to look forward to every couple of weeks when you got paid, and it was something to work towards. Was this a higher it, position? Was it Blue Hill Stone Barns? Is that who tried to do this? We talked about it on this podcast for a while. Perhaps, but well, still not. I Danny mean, Myers. Blue Smoke is Get one off of Danny, Danny Myers. All I'm saying in general was yeah. it was somebody. Blue Smoke yeah. was one of those one of those restaurants. Maybe that's the one you're thinking of. Okay, so, uh, <laughs> but all I'm suggesting here is that we had a talk at some point and we discussed that there was a restaurant somewhere out there, and I thought I remembered it being in Westchester or whatnot, and. The thing was, oh, there was no more tipping. Please do not tip whatsoever. And then months later, they pulled back on that and said it didn't work. So they reversed it post-COVID. Right? Yeah, After so USHG reversed it post-COVID as revenues were down. You know, there was less of a percentage to divvy out amongst the employees. So we went back to a tipping model, standard tipping model. Okay. And standard tipping model meaning, hey, come in, eat your fucking food. I'm going to give you a check. And then you, and you tip on exactly. how much on, on right? top the but that just reflects shows, like, your experience. The point was that the revenues were down, so to call revenue sharing was actually a gross, a gross decrease in what the salary would have been pre-COVID when revenue numbers were normal. Correct. With like half capacity and all that stuff, you can't get to the same revenue numbers. So that's why they they switched it back. To to be fair, it is still, uh, it's still Danny Meyer's position to get away from the tipping culture. 
it's it's that is still his. He didn't give up on the on the whole idea of moving to a hospitality included industry. He just saw at the time that the revenue sharing model was not fair to the to the staff at that at that point. Right. But he's still outspoken and still on and still lobbying for changes on tip laws and to, uh, and all these things with sharing and all that stuff. So it's it's not necessarily he gave up on it. It's just at the time wasn't correct. So that now is a, another route that we talk about not doing any tips involved and sharing this revenue model where yeah, everyone's getting yeah. paid off of that. I think the real, the real heel is of the whole thing is that a lot of these laws are antiquated and make no sense. Well, correct. You know, like the reasoning behind it is basically you, you're saying a cook or a chef or any non-tipped employee is making a decent wage and the server is not making a decent wage. So we're not going to allow you to take money essentially from the server who's not making a decent wage and give it to the guy who is making a decent wage. But in theory, the, the core sentiment of that sentence is completely flawed because we're looking at what does the server make from the restaurant, not what does the server make in general, in general, right? And it's completely flip-flopped and mostly misunderstood. And that's why you will not hear, for the most part, when we're having in when we're having a societal debate about minimum wages, et cetera, et cetera, and they're like, this is ridiculous that a restaurant can pay these people ten dollars an hour or five dollars an hour, or I was just in South Carolina and looked it up. If you want to guess what they're on uh tips tipped wages, uh tipped employee minimum wage. Tipped employee minimum wage is in South Carolina. Five seventy five. It's two eighteen. I was gonna say somewhere in the twos, yeah. <laughs> All right. It's two eighteen an hour. I didn't that's think they, we were still that that's what anywhere. they get. Which by the way was what I made when I started in the restaurant business. Mm. I made two seventy six an hour. I never even picked up my checks. It was just to cover my taxes, basically. I think Philly is down there also. But Pennsylvania the is, yeah. Right? Yep. Pennsylvania is a state like that. Philly's a city. So I nonetheless, so, yeah. what I'm what I'm trying to kind of explain here is that what are the what is it? Three, maybe four different brackets of how people are tipped. If we look at it from the top down, I mean, there's like the regular model. There's the regular model, model, meaning you're just tipping your server or bartender. Or your servers are just collecting their tips and then going home with it. And that's it. Yeah. And then another model, pool model, where the front of house pools their tips. Pool, maybe in a point system or something of that nature. Then and you add it all up, and then you divvy it back out to everybody based upon probably how many hours they worked and what, what their role is. So they're awarded points. And then the model we just spoke of. Rev share model. Yeah. Back house is included in that tip pooling and splitting. There's no reason that the back house or a non-tipped employee should be excluded from sharing, from tip sharing. I mean, they're included in the restaurant experience or the customer's experience. They're part of it all. Well, yeah, that's that's the point. Yeah. And when, when I was just saying about people, uh, people arguing about minimum wages, you'll never actually hear a server or bartender argue for a higher minimum wage. No. Right, right? Because they money. know in the end, if they have a higher minimum wage, it's going to drive costs up. It's going to drive whatever up. And their tips are essentially going to go down. Right. Right. And let's not sugarcoat it. If you're a server at a restaurant and you can't make more than $15 an hour off of your tips, you need to either figure out that you're not a, a good server or a good bartender or you are not at the right restaurant. Because, I mean, industry average, I would say, low end, servers making $30 an hour combined and a high end maybe 60 Yeah. 
So that Nusra article also did note that in that time period from that lawsuit that they were quoting uh, from whatever that that time was in the lawsuit, they said that the servers of this place or the employees were making on the low end $21.50 an hour and the high end $50 an hour. Right. So even still higher than most, you know, on the high end, higher than most bag house staff, parts, yeah. you know. I mean, obviously, some chefs and sous chefs are going to make more than that. But if you're just if you're a line cook or an hourly standard line cook, you're probably yeah, not making you know, much. you're not making fifty dollars an hour. Well, and now you're now you're more so even looking towards the front of house, back in house discrepancy that has kind of always been a thing uh, in our industry. Period. Yeah, and I mean, I think that was the original battle that the RevShare programs were designed to fight to try to equal out that pay gap between front and back house. And Mike always says his big frustration is there's never a happy place in the restaurant, right? Because if it's a slow night, the right? Servers aren't making the money. servers aren't happy. They're not making money. They're like, oh, Suggs is dead. Guess or, who's loving you it? Know, whatever. And the kitchen's like, I'm. They you get know, paid what yeah, they get paid. Business as usual. This is easy. I can just cook these tickets nice at a nice pace, and I don't have 85 things printed out of the printer. And then on the on the flip side. When it's really busy, the servers are all happy, the bartenders are all happy, and the kitchen is like, fuck this shit. <laughs> in the shits. <laughs> Correct. Right? Uh, but, I mean, that's that should be a happy place for your kitchen. They're busy, but they should be happy being busy because everybody's making money. Well, there's a level, right? When you're in the weeds and there's, you know. Well, if, if it's a revenue sharing come. house and you're busy, then the kitchen's well, actually making go. even more and money. And that's the whole thing. If yeah. it's revenue sharing, then every time that, that printer prints, the that's, whole restaurant's happy, right? Exactly. I think I personally, you know, being a part of the revenue sharing system, I think that's a better system because it inspires everybody to work that much harder to just bring up the check averages for every table. And it inspires the individual workers to try to move up within their position to get to that next pay scale rank. I, I don't know. I, you know, I kind of sit on the other side here and things where first I want to back up to the fact that we just said when it's busy, yeah, the kitchen's like, yo, Fuck this. There's a lot of tickets coming out a lot of times. Or when it's busy, the servers are super happy. It's like almost like a the FedEx driver who's probably a salaried employee, potentially. He gets extremely busy in the holiday months and hates life, absolutely. And then has it a little bit easier in January, February, March, April. And I think that there's some comparison in that because they're making the same money no matter what. It's just like, hey, get ready for the busy season. Yeah, I mean, but with that comes overtime, I'm sure. Yeah, these guys got packages to get out during the busy times, and in the restaurant, you probably just hire up typically when it gets a little bit busier. I mean, I'm seeing right now everyone gearing up for summer. We're starting to hire right now. Let's go. And with that being said. When you're leaning towards the conversation of saying, hey, I'm all for the shared revenue model, in a lot of ways, like my inner capitalist is not for that. I'd rather be in a space where it's more like the Irish pub, where it has this little situation of maybe, you know, four people within the place, somebody that actually did want to cook, but I want to be in the front of the house cleaning up money. Like, that's what I'm here for. I'm not spending my time to play. I chose to do this job and put this burden on my body running back and forth of miles a day so I can make money. I would love to hear you go into a kitchen and tell tell a line cook in July, on July 4th, that's banging out like ribs and chicken all day. 
about the burden you just put on your body running back and forth to run food <laughs> from a table back and forth. No, I understand this. And this is <laughs> and why this, this is thing, always right? a problem. And at the end of the day, you're going to go on the back. And this is where it really gets frustrating because at the end of the day, we have family meal. And that's when everybody relaxes, right? Before we start cleaning up, we're just like, okay, <laughs> All right, we're good. There's, you know, there's still people here hanging out, but we're at a we're at a leisurely pace, right? It's like when you slow the treadmill down at the end and just walk it out for a little yeah, bit. You're you're at your cool down point. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, you're at that. When everybody's like kind of hanging out at this point and talking, like, oh, it was crazy. Oh, so what happened with that? Well, whatever. And then you start talking, and and the uh, you know, kitchen staff might say, oh, how'd you how'd you do today? And the server goes, oh, it was great. I made like five hundred dollars, <laughs> you know. And the kitchen guy's like, must be nice. That's cool. You just took the food that I've made all day and just brought it over there. And uh, yeah, but I also think that, you know, servers and bartenders should be conscious of this and should not just be running all over the place screaming about the money that they've made. I'm glad you said that, but in no establishment that I've ever been in, have they been conscious about that? I've always screamed at every single person besides me for talking about money out loud. There's different pools, right? Then there's a different hierarchy in making money in a lot of these places typically. So why are you going to go face mush somebody that is is has chosen is the word that I'm going to use to work a job where the hourly is 15 20 bucks an hour whatever it is. If I make 15 20 dollars an hour I want to kill myself because I know that I'm not going to be able to achieve what I want to achieve. To me it's a goal orientation thing and I'm not telling anybody to work a job that they don't make enough money in. Like there's people out there that have chosen to be a teacher and then complain about not making enough money. And I just look at them and I'm like, you chose to go into that profession. It was your choice to do that. Well, we don't have to get into teaching. Yeah, let's, let's not start I'm gonna, yeah, knocking. I, I got all kinds of thoughts on that. But <laughs> I think the problem is really the revenue model of the restaurant business doesn't allow, right? It doesn't allow it to work where everybody makes that same amount of money, right? Because if you're paying, if all of a sudden you have to rate, you, I don't know how to explain it, right? But this... Let's go back to this this law with the tip pooling, where you bring everybody up to the mi- minimum wage. You you no longer are using a tip credit for your service staff, and now you can you can have a tip share that includes the back of house and probably raises their hourly rate by like five dollars an hour, probably right. So they're gonna all get five dollars an hour more. The servers are probably gonna drop to like drop like three or four dollars an hour, right? And it evens out somewhat a little mm-hmm. bit. Um. I forgot where I was going with this. <laughs> well, you were saying all that extra money is going to be spent oh, on the oh, staff. So, so you're that- going to lift. Yeah, you're going to. Thank you. <laughs> so now you lift the labor cost of the restaurant 50%, right? Yeah. If you use New York as an example, you're paying your servers 10. Now you got to pay them all five, uh, right. 15. That's $5. It's a 50% labor cost increase. Where's that going to go? Now you got to put it in the cost to, to the guests. Right. And now all of a sudden we've gotten now to the $22 cheeseburger. <laughs> well, that's Standard also like it, that's a bigger gear though as well too though because it, look at where we're at too with inflation processes right like if one thing goes up everything goes up and it just it's how it just trickles throughout the way that this well-oiled gear of life works where yes if you're raising your prices or and a lot of guys are raising their prices right now just because everything's so damn expensive yeah but i think he was trying to say even without inflation if you want to pay your staff 50 percent more you have to get that money from somewhere and the first place to do that is menu increases correct but if you're running a 10 percent margin at the end of the day and that's pretty good right for a restaurant right all of a sudden 50 percent labor increases a lot where does that go yeah correct well it's gonna get handed back down if you go to revenue sharing Say everybody starts at 
16, right? And that's where it is. But everybody makes seven, eight dollars an hour on top of that on revenue sharing. Now everybody's in a somewhat decent place. Less, lessening the burden. But circling back, that place is not the place that I would, you know, personally want to work for. And the personality, I mean, you have a point too because the personality is different. Usually yeah. the, the person that works in the kitchen cannot do the front of house part of the job. And usually the front, not usually. Actually, I know only one, one person in my mind that can actually do both sides, which well, which it's, which, it's which, which blows my mind. Yeah. But for most front of house, um, front of house staff, they do not have the mentality to sit in the kitchen and do what the kitchen has to do, right. and and vice versa. Like eh, kitchen guys, they yeah. don't really cannot do what they do on the other side. I think what you're saying is you need people to fill both positions. Yeah. You can't. It, it won't work without. But that. no, he's saying I'm not going to choose to do that position. But you, sometimes you don't have a choice. You're just not going to. There's kitchen guys that could try to hold a server job or a bartender job, would not be able to hold that job because they don't have the skill set to do it. But they right. do have a skill set. But have they tried, the tried a different job? Also, is my question. Okay, that's fine. you know what well, I mean. I'm like, just talking about in the industry. Correct. If you're like, restaurant industry is my life. But also, shout out to Brody who does both pretty, <laughs> really well. Right, and, and I'm very understanding of that. And I also don't want my words to come off incorrectly because, you know, take the guys that are busting their ass every day in cocktail garnish and they're slicing shit and they're putting it on trays and they're drying all this stuff out. I'm fighting for these guys to be able to make a salary and a livable wage in a different route too. So I'm, I'm understanding of, hey, yes, people need to eat. And yes, hey, you have to develop a team. Hey, the team has to live appropriately without dying. And paying their bills, right? Like dying is an uh, exaggerated yeah. piece. But nonetheless, you know, we haven't had health care in restaurants forever. Like I want these guys to have health care as they're growing up and a part of a business that is growing, period. And that's like kind of looking out for your guys, sure. But I'm suggesting that there are people that would be very happy working in a revenue shared model. Right. And there's other people that are saying, hey, I'm just using this to make money. So I could go fuel something at an accelerated rate. I think you're talking about the difference between like a career restaurant person and someone who's just working in a restaurant because that's the job at hand right now. Sure. Make yeah. money, pay bills. Exactly. Keep going. There's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, you know, those are, I think, two of the, bi the big differences in mentalities, I guess, where it's you've got your mercenaries coming in to pay bills. But also, like, in my life period... I'm not necessarily a mercenary that's just paying bills, but if I'm going to be working in this industry and knowing this industry, then I want to make the most amount of money while doing it. I mean, but I think that's true with anybody, right? Yeah. Mm. Try to make the most amount of money that you can doing what you want to do. I guess, unless you're in a area in which it's a revenue share model. But that's not... That's, that's all not, I'm suggesting. I don't think being in a revenue share model like locks you out from making the most amount of money possible. Does it? No, it doesn't. How do you how do you make more money to get to fifty bucks an well, hour? I think that becomes you know? like a team thing, right? Like now yeah. the restaurant has to do more revenue. It and if you if you as a bartender want more a larger chunk of your revenue share, then you become the head bartender. Sure. The head bartender You're makes more, more points. Yeah, exactly. Right. So it's that's yeah, what I was it's saying. The same that anywhere else, you get a raise. You know, like you get a raise, you get a level promotion, and you get a little bit more of that revenue share. It's essentially like if you're a manager, right? Here's the other thing: management supervisors are not allowed to take any type of tip share from anybody, which that I agree with. You should not be supervising someone and then I'll say, hey, you got to tip me out Correct. at the end of the night. So that's, there's no problem there. 
But in a management level, usually you would get some kind of revenue sharing or bonus, if you want to call it a bonus, based on performance of, of the restaurant, right? Some you're, sort of percentage of equity or something like that? Yeah, you know? So essentially what you're doing there is making sure that your management team cares about the, the performance of the restaurant because they're financially incentivized to care about the performance of the restaurant. And that's, What's wrong with having the whole team yeah. care about the performance of the restaurant? So it, it's on the management side, like you said, that's them caring about the performance of the restaurant like long-term. And then you have the employees part of the revenue share who's caring about the performance of the restaurant on the short-term, making sure that every guest pays more money each time they're there. Well, it's, uh, in my life brain, that's more so a... I would get to that point by instead awarding bonuses if something was accomplished. <clears throat> Not just saying like, oh yeah, here's the percentage of everything and let's just divvy this up. And then furthermore, there has to be a cap at that point then too. I mean, if bar if bars and restaurants are making $2 million, $3 million a year. Well, why is there a cap? It's revenue sharing. Revenue goes up. You can only up. put so many seats in a house and have so many bodies to be able to work those. I, I got news for you. There is not a restaurant on the planet that has maximized their real estate to the fact that they literally cannot find any more revenue. Yeah. And if they if they are, if they are doing that, ain't nobody leaving. And I mean, so if you're saying you're running out of seats, then you have inspired staff members who are like trying to get that extra sale to up the check at the end of the night and increase their revenue share percentage. I, I'm just saying you can only there go is a so cap. far. There is a cap, sure, a theoretical cap, Correct. but we ain't reaching it, dude. Like meaning that the moment your doors are open, every seat is full. Yeah, like that. Would so be that your is cap, that's right? your cap, though. Like yeah, you're not going to reach that. Like that's not a, it's not an argument, right? No one reaches that. Everybody has real estate to sell somewhere. But this is why everyone always opens this another restaurant to try to maximize it as yeah. far as they could go with another restaurant. You know, Smokehouse gets to number three. You know that yes, you could fill seats twenty four hours a day if you wanted to stay open, but you won't <coughs> actually do it. There's nobody coming out twenty four well, hours of course, a day to fill up gonna, a seat. You're not gonna operate in a time that you can't but you might think about what can i do in this hour we're not open for lunch in new rochelle right mm. mike and i spend a bunch of time saying how can we book some lunch parties or something in our closed time what if we get you know a company to come out and do a lunch party here or you know doing different things delivering to office lunches and stuff like that we're not operating the restaurant but we're finding revenue somewhere correct you know like that and that if you were if we were in revenue sharing guess what it would be in the revenue whether the service worked or not. That's an increase in revenue. You know, yeah. I would I would like to see like what that when the bar stays open and the kitchen close, right? Kitchen close at ten. They close. They leave. Bars open till one. Guess what? That's revenue. You didn't work for it, but you get the benefit. Correct, and I understand that. I'm just saying, not being on that side ever, I would like to see what that like translates to in hourly rate of pay. Like, what is that average? It can be significant, I can tell you that. What's the higher end versus the average end? You know, like where uh, we sit. So without getting too educate speci- me. Without getting too specific in numbers, when I started in Manhattan as a line cook, I would say it was an extra twenty five to fifty bucks a week I added onto my paycheck. When I finished because of the pandemic as a tornado, it was an extra hundred fifty to two hundred dollars a week I added to my paycheck. And that's an increase in like six steps. Yeah, but I I know. But I'm saying like what does that turn into as an hourly ad- additional rate, right? It's forty dollars times because 40 hours, I'm assuming, 40 hours divided by 150. Hours. Yeah. So was that $13 extra an hour? Yeah. Like that's not enough to get me going. I want to see $50 an hour at the low end. Right. So that's all the time. we're talking about a cook share compared to, I think the highest paid share in our uh, system were the baristas, the, the baristas and the butchers as they touched every table for some portion of service. You know, every guest 
had something from the butchers, depending on what you're eating, and every guest had something from the baristas, depending on what you're drinking. So they got the largest percentage share. How often do you think that somebody takes a a pay cut just to go behind maybe the Danny Myers name? Often. I did. Just to put it on the resume. Well, I mean, that's, that's also a mindset thing, right? That's, that's the career path. You know? Correct. We, we talk about that this. all the time where you might want to go. You want to go into the restaurant business. At some point, you're going to have to jump track and go from server bartender to management at some point. And that track that's a jumps cut. back. It is a jump back. Right? Yeah. If, when I was bartending, I made probably double what I'm making now. And I own two restaurants. No, but that's a, that's <laughs> you know the I mean? fair statement. Is well, yes, there is going backwards to propel back forward. Again. Well, I I should retract that. It's I made double what I was making and what I would pay myself as a GM of the restaurant. That's obviously the profit of the restaurant is different, and if you're owning a restaurant, that's a different financial scale. But jumping from bartender to manager is, you know, probably half. Especially as a lower level manager, like if you're jumping down to AGM or shift shift manager or something like that, you know, you're going to take a considerable pay cut, but you're putting yourself in that mindset. Like I'm jumping back to go forward. Yeah. Uh, Another piece to talk about too, though, is through the, through COVID where New York said, Hey, you could apply this COVID charge and it was masked as a service charge. And it was, I believe it was up to a certain percentage you're able to add onto a bill as part of the extra fees to do the extra cleaning and all these extra sanitary elements of... And that was essentially to make up for, like, the capacity, right? Like, that Correct. was... I, I vaguely remember that. Yes, and, you know, does that 2% make up for that? No. Realistically? No. No. And... It's a nice little whatever. And furthermore, people saying... And I remember working in this process, too, because I was at Island Oyster, which was an outdoor spot of 30,000 square feet at the time. And seeing that pop up one day, I said, what the hell is this charge? And it just kind of went in. Nobody really said anything about it. And then all of a sudden, you were getting people as you were handing out the checks to people and saying, oh, thanks for coming out. What's this? What's this? And it's funny, though, that you could add up to this percentage as the service charge at that time period. Like, Who would put less if there was an opportunity to add more? You're not going to be like, no, I'll just add half of it. You could add... You'd- Take the mentality of putting less to avoid having those conversations about what is this, you know? Well, then it turns into really just educating the person as they're coming in saying, hey, this is the COVID tax. It's going to be a part of this. It's up to, you know, it's 2% of your bill. But what you just said is important. The transparency and the communication of it yeah. is is oftentimes what Neglected. ends up in these lawsuit type things because they're not on the menu correctly, but you have to say you're not allowed to or you are, you are not it's not legal to put a service charge without telling the guest beforehand. So if you can't just put it on the bill and after they're said and done, it should be right on the menu that like I read before that we were going to include a 18% service charge, et cetera, et cetera. That has to be clearly defined. Right. But also I find that, okay, we defined it to the guest, but are we def- telling our staff what that is? Yeah. Because I feel just to circle back, clean this whole thing up, go back to that lawsuit. Right. Had you, Clearly, the staff didn't know what that was. It, had they explained it and how it's used and the law behind it, they maybe they don't have the lawsuit, but also the, the employees understand, right? So the communication, not only to the guests, but the transparency to the, to the employees of what, what is that charge and how is it going to be used? Like, what do I get? Like, in that cert, like we talked about training last episode and you had that one-inch thick, thick book, right? 
I bet if there was an issue like this, it would have been in there. What is the service charge? How do I use it? If a guest asks me, what is my service charge? This is our answer to, you know, how we use it, et cetera. That place would have had a chapter on, on service charges alone. <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah, you know, so I think that's, that's the major thing is we got to be communicating these things. And I don't think it's wrong for us as an industry. And I'll kind of end on this idea to start educating in somewhat our guests of what these struggles are back and forth because for the most part you leave a tip you don't know who's going what and where is doing what but you know maybe the restaurant industry itself restaurant to restaurant could be more um involved in educating the guests and the public what's wrong with these laws what you know what's wrong with these laws what we want to change how it would be more fair across the board so that these antiquated tip pooling laws etc that are on there will get looked at on a higher level so that we can actually start changing because if it's just as we saw in covid we're all mom and pop restaurants we don't have a single voice that really speaks for us because we're mostly independently owned there's not anybody really fighting the fight so until we get a big awareness about these things like you know maybe this should be on the forefront somewhere on our websites or somewhere in our culture to talk about you know let's get everybody on the, on the same scale it's well said that was well said thanks got it he looked at me crazy <laughs> don't forget to smash that like and subscribe button because you know algorithms enjoy today's show click the subscribe button in your podcast platform to keep up with new releases exclusive interviews and bonus content that's sure to drop a few gems on running restaurants and improving sales thanks for listening